so yamaka Bhikkhun Yamaka and the Venerable Sariputta in the tw- 85th Sutra of the 22nd chapter of the Sanyuta Nikaya 85th of the Kanda Vaga Yamaka has this view which when I first read it sounded pretty reasonable to me as I understand the teaching explained by the Blessed One a monk with no more asawa on the breakup of the body is annihilated, perishes and does not exist after death yeah. larger number of monks heard this and they said they greeted him courteously and they said is it true that this evil supposition has arisen to you and he says so he says yes <laughs> as I understand it that's the truth and they said don't say that don't represent the blessed one it's not good to misrepresent the blessed one the blessed one would not say a monk with no more asava on the break up the body is annihilated perishes does not exist after death they go to see Venerable Sariputta and he decides he better take this matter in hand personally so he goes to see him the Yamaka says well do you understand what do you think when you're talking about this person with no more asava who do you think this person is <laughs> that's what he's saying basically you know, the person who has no more taints who is it you know, who is it who doesn't exist who is it who is it so then you know, essentially go through the, the five kanda as well as form is that, is that the person who's going to break up and not exist after death is that it so, well um, form is, is inconstant it's changing so you can't really latch on to form and say this is, this is, this is the person because it's always a sh- like what form is a candle flame it's always shifting and changing and form is associated with feeling and perception so you can't have form without being aware of it you know, form manifest because of consciousness essentially as we'll find out later so he goes through all of the five kanda says well since they're all they all change and um, they bring this analysis is that which is inconstant easeful or stressful or, which is stressful is dukkha and so anicca dukkha so is it stressful? In other words, is it something that because it's changing you don't want it to change or you want it to change in a particular way or you have to bear with it while it changes? So in terms of form, you know, you're feeling some don't feel very alive, you don't feel very bright, your fire element's going down. Oh, you know, I wish you could get some juice, wish I could get revved up a little more, warm up, get more cheerful, brighten up. Come on up, come on, get some up. <laughs> it's three o'clock in the morning, come on, get it up. Not gonna get up, is it? Well you gotta you want it to get up, it doesn't get up. Or you're really blazing and you just want it to cool down and it won't cool down. So as you continue having to moderate 
um, some of these energies, these experiences of form, solidity and so forth. Sometimes solidity can feel really rigid and hard, and yet sometimes you don't feel solid enough. You feel kind of wobbly and, and watery. You want some firmness. So this is the sense of the, the inconstant that has to be supervised and managed and we're always sort of propping it or tweaking it or hoping it will stay in a certain way. That's the, that's the analysis. You may agree with that or not, but Yamaka does agree with that. It says, well, if that's the case, if it is always changing and shifting, then that continual changing and shifting is a kind of an impingement because it's something you've got to keep with it. So that sense of impingement and it changing the way I don't want it to change or not changing fast enough <coughs> when I want it to change, uh, or ch- you know, that is that stress. And it goes through the same thing with feeling. Mm. I want pleasant feeling to last longer. I don't, don't want it to change but it does change it's inconstant unpleasant feeling I want it to change but it doesn't change fast enough you know, but it's, it does, does shift and change it vibrates and pulses so the whole you know there's the whole act, the analysis is based upon this inconstant perception you know the perception of an event or something or a person and that can change. You know, we can find something agreeable, interesting, clear, and it goes blurred and fuzzy or disagreeable or confusing. Changes. And you've got to keep trying to get it into shape. So that tweaking and tinkering and fretting and adjusting is seen as a source of of stress. It's acute suffering or just uh, a bit of a nuisance, a bit vexing to have to keep handling all this stuff. So is it is it suitable to call this some kind of self? And self, initially in the Indian context, really means uh, it, it's a core, it's an essence. It means it's something that is, uh, an essence means it's a kind of unchanging pristine, unaffected quality. So it's autonomous and it's eternal. But the self is not autonomous. It's continually being, you know, the sense of self which does occur for us, continually being impacted upon. It can't be separated from consciousness, feeling, form, perception. And these these candors are always kind of nagging it. nagging that sense we can't seem to get away from it yet we neither can we actually settle into it that's the subjective experience so you can't separate self from them nor can you really bed them down in it you can't extract some pure autonomous essence that, that stands up from these aggregates so goes this analysis, do you, what about the Buddha, the Tathagata? Do you see the Buddha as these five aggregates? Is that, that what you call Buddha? You know? And he said, well, no, no. 
you know, Buddha is not just the feelings or the form, the body or, you know, no, it's not that. You say, well, do you see the Buddha as something, some undying quality that doesn't, not connected to these things? And he says, well, no. Because <laughs> if it wasn't connected to these, how would you see it anyway? How would you know it? And what we, so we experience, so, you know, is it not connected? Buddha seems to have feelings. Buddha seems to have perceptions. Buddha seems to be able to talk about having a body and moving around and things like that. Functions. You can't say the Buddha doesn't function as, a, as the five aggregates. So, if, he, if you can't say he is them and you can't say he isn't them, what's this bit about when all that breaks up he will be something else? Because if you can't say who, is, who he is right now in this life, how can you say what it's going to be when these aggregates break up? <coughs> he goes, oh, right, I get your point. <laughs> so under, under not, underneath that kind of uh, view does not exist after death is the assumption that exists in this lifetime so that's what worldlings like me didn't get when I read it oh, sounds like a good idea <laughs> but the underlying assumption is does not exist after death is the assumption that it does exist in this lifetime and the Sariputta is saying well that already is a wrong view because what, what is it that exists in this lifetime that you call Buddha or monk or anybody you go oh yeah uh, no uh, no oh no oh and that moment as his mind is prepared he gets this realisation so that moment of hearing this I have broken through to the Dhamma so all is well Yamaka there's this you know and it's, it's lovely kind of how these teachings from Yamaka obviously has been you know practicing diligently so then he says well okay let's look at it again how would if somebody asked you this same question now what would you say so Sariputta tests him you know and say well I would say now form is inconstant feeling perception pro Sankara's consciousness is inconstant that which is inconstant is stressful that which is stressful has ceased and gone to its end <laughs> so big ontological gap there <laughs> you know, well what was it that <laughs> and by and large this is the main uh, presentation teaches mostly in this way They're not, it's not ontological it's kind of just about suffering ends and you, you know the rest of it you can't you can't say you can't call it a thing or something and then furthermore it goes into this very um, striking striking um, analogy of the five aggregates as being like um, murderers and so he uses the analogy of a, an assassin who goes to a, uh, a house and, and pretends to be looking, looking to be a servant so the master of the house takes this 
in and says, okay, you can be my servant. You know, it's great, it's helping me out. You know, it's wonderful, the servant. And all the time the servant is planning to kill him. And all the time it was, he was a murderer. But he was still coming through the thing about, oh, I'll make you happy, I'll look after you, I'll make you things life, all your life good for you. And so he says, this is how come, you know, when you take the aggregates as, your, as yourself, this is what you're doing. You're taking on a murderer as a servant. <laughs> That's the, uh, the shock tactics. Happy ending. When one does not assume these aggregates to be self, does not assume any of them to be self, or the self is possessing any of them, or, the con- or any of them being in the self, or the self being any of them, there are four permutations there. You see them as they are, you do not get attached to them, and then these five clinging aggregates, not attached to, not clung to, lead to his long-term happiness and well-being. Happy ending. So if they don't, you don't attach to them or cling to them, they lead to your happiness and well-being. They are, if you like, they're, they're the, the things we develop our wisdom faculties, our calming faculties around. Perhaps you might even say, just as um, Jesus needed Judas, <laughs> you know, to go to do his sort of transcendence then um, we need kandas <laughs> jitta needs kandas to get it to wake up yeah. so you see there's a little bit there you know if you look at the analogy look at it more another language system first language system was very much kind of non-ontological second language is more poetic allows for a kind of ontology the master and the servants and the servants are the aggregates the master you know then the master because of not getting touched you know stuck with these experiences happiness and well-being so then there's a kind of little ontology is, a, is allowed in certain areas <laughs> so you see that you know what language often it's non-ontological but often the more poetic um, and and (coughs) metaphorical presentations which tend to be the bits we really wow I got that you know man you know servant knifing murdering slashing I didn't get this stuff about inconstant formations but I got the bit about being stabbed with a knife (laughs) getting getting free then we you know we can they often carry a bit more um, emotional meaning for us than this stuff about formations are impermanent. <laughs> Which you think, well, so what? <laughs> so. So this is the, the insight really works around these. This is where you get this 
um, the three what are called the three characteristics are often distilled out of such discourses and this particular analysis is very uh, frequently used in terms of you know, the sense bases feelings, khandhas where, the, where an analysis is set up and these categories are produced and remember there are categories of experience and then the, the relationship in terms of those categories is see this, you, you're presenting this category in order for your chitta to develop certain qualities you know. so anyway you're putting the target up there in order to learn how to shoot straight you know, a target is just a target you know, something you can relate to it's one way of looking at your experience we put it up there so you learn how to shoot straight really the, the aim is not the target don't start looking at the target and wondering how many rings has it got whether it's red or blue and you know, <laughs> just a target aim your arrow at it learn how to shoot straight Get your, you know. and so the shooting straight is the, the samatha vipassana process um, and this begins just with, with right view with, with uh, recollection with some faith that there is a liberation possible um, with a sense of something needs to be brought around um, there is a skillful process to be entered into uh, and there is a liberation what I'd like to look at perhaps more closely is the the role of perception and there are several suttas that deal with mental perceptions basically and um, as meditators you know, then perception is a, uh, an important aspect of practice how to look at things in the right way or look at things in a conducive way in an appropriate way, suitable way um, how to distill dominant perceptual signs out of what we're experiencing so that that, because that is the trigger for sankara so if we, something is perceived as agreeable Sankara will naturally be the program will be moved towards it something is, is perceived as disagreeable the Sankara will be to move away from it uh, so basically in the things that we compulsively move towards it's good to get some brakes in there and reverse gear you know, so that, that that compulsion can be can be checked mm. so s- some of these you know the unattractiveness of the body, the unattractiveness of food, things that we may very often be programmed towards. We see as that which is actually, you know, you can look at it another way to dispel the kind of the the sparkle. What is called karma, not kama, kama action, karma sensuality, is not the senses per se but the kind of mystique that, that, rides, that rides on them yeah. so karma K long A M A as you know the karma sutra of the treatise on the art of love on the art of, of sexuality deals with the kind of ways in which you know, bodies can be made to be more attractive or more interesting 
than uh, they would otherwise be. So the, this sort of calm is like a fairy dust that one sprinkles over things, um, and it's sprinkled over many things. You know, to walk down the street to see that, you know, donuts sprinkled with fairy dust, um, cars are sprinkled with fairy dust. Computers are sprinkled with fairy dust. Yeah. Insurance policies. <laughs> you know, insurance policy, somebody's wave picture, somebody wave insurance policy, they're good looking, they're totally happy. You never see old, wretched, decrepit people on these adverts. You know, it's always young, or well, if they're elderly, they look really good shape, everybody's happy, waving their tube of toothpaste or their freshly ironed shirt or whatever it is or their insurance policy or we can also live under this um, influence of the satanic puritan thing mm. so if it isn't heavenly it's satanic so but the Buddha is actually trying to place it on the earth eyes are coated with fairy dust then you want to clear them so you can use these unattractive, the reflections on the unattractive, perceptions of the unattractive so, you know, in terms of bodies if you look at skin, for example you know, if you look at most most photographs for adversity are touched up, you touch them up you know, give them a bit more glow get the lighting, it takes a lot of time to get the person to look as good as <laughs> if you want them to do <laughs> you know, when you really look at skin it's yeah I mean so there it is skin you know but you can see kind of wrinkles blotches bits of hair it's just skin you know um, but some of this toned up stuff has got a surreal glow to it so you, know, you kind of want to cut through that because as we all recognize you know what the eye sees you know, you get kind of food with glistening glazes all over it, and then you take a couple of bites. And did you eat? Can you eat fairy dust? You know, can you ingest fairy dust? There's fairy dust. Most junk food is actually smothered with fairy dust, and you eat this gloop, and it. <laughs> so uh, this kind of cutting, cutting away. Perception of the unattractive, perception of the impermanent. So there are um, very simple little fourfold list to that you can keep in mind is when the attractive is seen as uh, animate, like a human being. You attract a human being. You 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 to sexual attraction then you can bring the unattractive in you look at that, that kind of meditation you review the organs or look, look at the form in a different way or you look close up at particular points or details that are not so attractive you know, if it's inanimate such as a car or computer or one of these nice sleek pieces of gizmo that get turned out you can recognize it will break up. You know, this year's model is kind of all covered with fairy dust. Three years later, it's an old hulk. 
you know, who wants this old thing? <laughs> so we look at inanimate things in terms of their, their change. So that, that's for, for negating the, the pull in. When you have the opposite pull, you regard the unattractive or the thing you're repelled by, if it's animate, so a human being, you practice, you, pra- you regard them with loving kindness, compassion. So you have that movement. You perceive them perhaps as a being subject to aging and death. You see them as a being just like me, is a very useful phrase. Um, you see them as a being who wants happiness, does not want unhappiness, a being who's subjected to fear, karma, you know, all these afflictive influences. And your mind moves much more in terms of empathy and compassion. So when you have the sense of either fear or contempt or indifference, so what, it's just a Joe in the street, so what, you think, wait a minute, for him, that's his life, just like me, he wants to be happy, just like me, he has problems. And then you feel more a sense of empathy, metta, karuna. When you're either indifference, fear, or aversion, you know, these forms, or contempt, or even even indifference is a, is a negative influence when it's something in an animate that you're disgusted by you look at it in terms of elements so this is particularly the case with terms like excrement things like you know that we're really quite revolted by you look at it in terms of this is earth this is this is elements just breaking up you know this is like that and then that that cools that cools the 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 revolting the kind of the recoiling so you you know if you practice like this you can handle people's vomit or whatever somebody's sick it's really helpful if you know how to handle these these um, things in a way where you're not squirming and and uh, cringing all the time treat them with metta, karuna and you know their discharges of various kinds you can see just as elements so one of the kind of constant simple recollections for a, a renunciant from monastic is whenever you get something you know there's a little phrase you often hear anicca vata sankhara basically this thing is impermanent its nature is to break up you know, that's the kind of thing you put in something gives you a nice robe you know, okay it's all really rubbish <laughs> doesn't mean I don't like you know thank you but just remember don't get stuck on this don't get hooked on this somebody gives you a nice cup you know Okay, one day this is going to be broken and lost and all I want to do is get rid of the thing <laughs> it's junk <laughs> so it's neither is nor isn't but it helps to prevent this, this uh, sticking holding you know, then we can live more lightly we can move through using requisites without getting hooked on them uh, relating to people without getting stuck in it you know, that's, that's the point developing these perceptions and if you, in the Giri Mananda Sutta, the Anguttara Book of the Tens, it's briefly mentioned, also in the the reflections of the great being um, Anuruddha where the Buddha is saying 
you know, your rotten rag robes and your bit of old rice will seem like um, you can perceive them as you'll, you'll see them as kind of wonderful, luxurious elements if you train your mind correctly. So you can, you know, perceptions will shift, and it's considered really important in terms of dhamma practice to keep your awareness on that on what's coming up on that felt meaning I call it the felt meaning a lot lot of it's psychological like you know she's quite rude or he's he's bossy or wait a minute Uh uh-huh what are you seeing you're seeing a body moving around that's all You're, you're listening to somebody speak. I mean, suddenly you've got a really clear idea of who this person is. Uh, that was rather quick, wasn't it? <laughs> and of course, perceptions of oneself. You know, the whole the whole system comes crashing back upon oneself because if you if we if we you know if our sankharas keep forming perceptions in this way rather like the source of his apprentice you can't switch it off so suddenly all those perceptions you have other people the ways in which one's conjured them up come home and then you're you know the dominant the bottom, whatever you've called other people <laughs> you know so it, it forms yourself and this can be for many people the most you know very lacerating and wounding experience and the perceptions one forms about one's oneself. Then, um, when you do, it seems you know, as we probably do. Um, well, I mean, it's a good thing to consider is um, who you're comparing it to. How good? Sh- how good are you supposed to be? When you say you're not good enough, how good do you have to be to be good enough? <laughs> What's that? It's another fairy, isn't it? It's another fairy. This, so this kind of haphazard formulation is um, called papancha proliferation, complication, proliferation and we'll see in the Madhupindika Sutta which is in your, in your list and we'll look at that again and it talks about this process of how contact, feeling arises, perceptions arise one starts thinking about those perceptions and then the whole thing snowballs and one becomes the object you end up, you started doing it and it's, it collapses on you and it starts forming you you know, it's like you got the, the genie, you produce the genie out of the bottle, then the genie starts doing you in <laughs> and dominating you <laughs> and this is the papancha fairy I call it <laughs> so when the papancha fairy starts waving her or his wand you know, conjuring up perceptions sooner or later that baby's going to get out of control and you know who, who he's going to turn on <laughs> comes, comes back on you know, on your own chitta it's like a demon that can never eat enough 
eventually starts gobbling you up the papancha proliferation and the Buddha says this Dhamma is for those who do not is for those who do not proliferate so when you the thoughts of the great being you know the, the eighth thought of the great being is this Dhamma is for those who do not proliferate they do not allow that fairy to take over you know, do not proliferate you know as you, you don't continually get because the Papancha fairy when she's working it's quite it's quite impressive <laughs> it's, it's impressive <laughs> I mean she's quick <laughs> and it's a pretty convincing show suddenly you know, suddenly the whole thing opens up they're in there you know, so don't proliferate Remember, I had a uh, occasion which caused me to smile. Yeah, it was a few weeks ago, and I was in the monastery, and I'd just come back from somewhere else. You know, I'm travelling all the time, so often my time things are kind of out of whack. And so I was going to the mor- going to the morning puja, which in Chittas is four four thirty. So oh, get up! Oh, it's only four o'clock, right? No hurry. Get up. Go drink some hot water, have a, a leisurely shave, get over there about 25 past 4, well, everybody's sitting here, that's, that's great, they're all on time normally I'm first, everybody's here the candles are lit, they're all sitting there great, I'll get in there wait for them to begin the chanting because you see, generally the who begins the chanting kind of moves down the line see? so, waiting for the monk to start chanting, I'm sitting there waiting <coughs> nothing happens <laughs> waiting like three minutes I mean it's gone 4.30 now I mean somebody should be chanting by now maybe they expect me to do it they shouldn't expect me to do everything (laughs) why do I have to do everything I'm not going to do that chanting I'm going to sit here they're going to chant that's fine with me (laughs) I'm not going to chant so I'm sitting there a bit longer must be some kind of rebellion going on. <laughs> nobody's chanting. They must be in some kind of revolt, rebellion, or something. Because nobody's chanting. Mm. Ooh, going on? I'm, I'm, I'm going to sit this out. No, I'm not going to get bothered. Be cool. I don't mind. I'll let go of all that. And then kind of a bell rings. Somebody rings a bell. Okay. And they get up and they do the closing homage. And suddenly it dawns on me. I got here an hour late. <laughs> <laughs> They'd already done the chanting an hour before, but my clock was wrong. <laughs> it's amazing, you know, suddenly the whole thing just went bloop. <laughs> At the time it was like solid, real drama, you know. And then in one moment the thing just went plop, like mist, you know. You think, goodness, glad I, you know, at least I sort of started to react to that. At least I didn't say anything or do anything. I just kind of held it in. The, the proliferation fairy, you know, you get something and then you, you know, just start to weave this whole plot out of it. Hmm. So it's important when you get the sense of, uh, you know, conflict with other people, just wait, you know, bring up the 
non-aversion you know, <laughs> just for your own welfare and then just check, check revisit the situation very often what you thought was somebody's intention was somebody's mistake what you imagine somebody's doing deliberately they didn't even realise they were doing you know, they had a different angle on it you know, and so on and so on and so on it's really living in this kind of multifaceted pluralistic world and uh, just uh, not let your jitta get snarled in it even if they are doing it deliberately you know if people are being mischievous and nasty and whatever the best thing is not to get your jitta stuck in it and in terms of developing perceptions then um, there's always some way in which you can you can look at things differently so this is a sutta where the um, Sariputta is talking about anger and just negativity towards other person and he says just look for some good some good in them Uh, and he says rather like you know you, you go to a pond and it's kind of pretty brackish and overgrown but you can sweep the algae aside and get a scoop of sweet water out of it so some people are like that you know there's a lot of algae but there's you know some good stuff in there and he takes it right down to well even if even if they just like a, the impression of a cow's hoof in mud there's just a little bit of water in that impression you can get that bit out <laughs> so even if a person only has that much goodness the amount of goodness that a cow's hoof would hold water in you know the impression of a cow's hoof would would um, contain his water just go to that bit bend right down and pick that bit up first of all yeah. uh, so that at least your heart is not infected with ill will hmm. and then from that you know, from that place if your heart is not infected with ill will then you can address behavioural mishaps un- misunderstandings or in line with what seems suitable but at least your heart is is being freed and that really is the main theme in the in the canon in the early Buddhism um, it's not really about saving the world it's about getting your jitta freed from samsaric habits so we develop these perceptions <coughs> other perceptions the uh, perception of Buddha, Dharma Sangha bringing those to mind, those are helpful the awakened one the compassionate one the, the, the good friend the one you can trust you know. so images may fit or may not fit but the main thing is the perception you just try to develop what would it be like if you know, what would be like if right now you were in the presence of trusted friend or someone who would listen or um, sort of being about endowed with great compassion what would that be like someone who didn't push you away and then just play with that kind of perception Buddha Dhamma Sangha 
and so perception also plays a part in terms of samatha practice although the the jhanas are forms of perception attenuated perceptions the perception of they're called sometimes it this called nimitta signs particular signs maybe brightness or light spaciousness warmth these are perceptions and with samatha you pick up a particular sign rather like the amount of water in a cow's hoof you know you find the amount of ease there is in a body <laughs> the amount of, of of ease and well-being there is in 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 breathing in and out it may be a pond it may be only a cow's hoof full you find that bit and you dwell upon it and you enter into it and you appreciate it and gradually through the mechanism of perception you can expand it so as we know with the Papancha fairy you know one little bit of, of irritation can be a ruined day one little blemish in somebody's mm-hmm. careless speech can be a, a total character definition <laughs> you want to make that uh, work the other way that one piece of gladness and ease is something that's you know you, you, you can expand it you expand it by staying in it and expanding your awareness expanding your awareness like making your awareness from point to a field point to a field just this opening expanding awareness we might talk about that particular process later Again, breathing in and out does help because breathing in and out has a suffusive quality tends to suffuse so that definitely helps your awareness to follow that and sort of become more suffusive and expansive so you expand the perception of you know where there's well-being and um, so you get these refined levels of perception called jhana and it goes right through to this extremely attenuated perception called neither perception or non-perception which is just kind of barely anything you know. um, so that, that's as far as you can go on attenuating perception most of us are never going to get to that point um, it's not even necessary but that's the sum of the process of developing perceptions because they would tend to have a direct effect on the sankhara you know, they, they, those two sanya triggers sankhara so if your perception is one of ease you calm down um, perception one is space you get spacious you know, your, your volitions your pushes get softer get looser you feel more relaxed yeah? so those perceptions definitely affect your, your volitions your, your, your um, sankhara um, that's the samatha process insight process is, is understanding perception however refined it's just perception <laughs> it's inconstant <laughs>